0: Welcome to this week's Opera Cheat Sheet. I'm St John Flynn. Mozart wrote perhaps his most famous opera, The Marriage of Figaro, in 1786. It was one of his three great collaborations with librettist Lorenzo da Ponte. Based on Beaumarchais' play of the same name, the opera is subtitled The Day of Madness, since it all takes place within one day, adding to the comedy of the whole piece. The Marriage of Figaro is a continuation of Beaumarchais' earlier play, The Barber of Seville, itself turned into a classic comic opera by Rossini in 1816. The character Figaro, the barber in the first piece, is now the valet to Count Almaviva and is about to wed Susanna, maid to the Countess. The day of madness ensues as Figaro, Susanna and the Countess all conspire to prevent the Count from having his way with Figaro's intended before the wedding happens. Houston Grand Opera mounted a production of The Marriage of Figaro in April 2011, James Gaffigan was the conductor, and bass baritone Patrick Carfitzi sang the title role. Well, Patrick, this is the most performed opera in North America, The Marriage of Figaro, according to Opera America. Mm-hmm. What is its enduring belovedness?
1: Uh, having done about 200 performances of it at this point. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Thank Thank you. You. Uh, most of them as Antonio, uh, several as Figaro what lives the most beautifully with this piece um, and what stays the freshest are the interactions between the characters and the way that Mozart and de Ponte crafts them. And I think that's a story that can be told from now until eternity. the This story will, will never get old. And to heighten that and enlighten that and enrich that with this spectacular music, I think that's what keeps it coming back year, and year, and year, and year, and year, and year again, and, and keeps people really appreciating, appreciating what they see in this absolutely fantastic work.
0: Figaro, of course, is one of the, the, the best-known figures in all of, of, of opera. Mm. Um,
1: who is he? Who is he? He's your friend. He's a manipulator. He's someone that uh, guides you but through, through these different stories, but he's also uh, someone who everyone can relate to on some level. He's always reaching Figaro, be it the Barbieri Figaro or the, which I, I don't perform but I'm very familiar with. Uh, That's the Rossini. The Rossini Figaro, Yes. Right. Be it the Rossini Figaro or the Mozart Figaro. He's always reaching for that next level. He's a definite uh, example of class structure and how one who is very clever and who clearly perhaps thinks above his class still functions within his class. So Figaro is. Uh, Many things for many people, but definitely he is someone that will attempt. He is the person on the street who will attempt to make the meeting of two of two minds or of two folks. Uh, he is the person who will bring uh, a sense of resolution to a conflict, and and then at the same time be selfishly motivated to find, you know, to find the best way to get his marriage done now. Uh, <laughs> because he, he
0: undergoes a lot in the course of this one day mm-hmm. I mean, he's about to get married yes. and he, he does get married but he also finds out about his past Things yeah. that, that he didn't know about himself,
1: absolutely. And I mean, he attempts to get married uh, at least three or four times in the course of the opera, um, and every single time it's uh, not quite yet. Uh, uh, maybe we'll wait another half an hour. Um, and then, of course, he does. He, the story evolves, and he does learn about himself and learn who his mother and father are. Which, if you take that in the context of the Rossini Figaro, the Rossini, yeah, the Rossini Figaro, is absolutely hilarious. The fact that the Bartolo that's conceived in the Rossini Figaro and the Bartolo in the Mozart Figaro um, can be the same person and are indeed the same person, but that Figaro's interactions with him are so vastly different um, is is an amazing comparison to make. So he grows, his trajectory throughout this piece is quite a wild and fun ride to take uh, from the simple idea of it's my wedding day and the joy, the simple joy of that first wedding day, carried through to all of the imbrogli, all of the different changes, and all of the different letters, and everything else. Um, and then to to finally arrive at thinking, after having met mom and dad, and gotten over the fact that mom and dad are who they are, uh, arriving at the point of almost desperation, that the purity that he has always treasured in his relationship with Susanna, is about to be blown out of the water. It's about to be, it's about to go away completely, and then to figure out that Figaro, you're clever, but you're not quite as clever as you always think you are. <laughs> so perhaps it's time that you accept this level of maturity. Um, and and at the same time, you know, Figaro's nature will carry on. I mean, he'll he will always be that person that's trying to connect and look into a situation and figure out how he can either step out of it or engage into it. Given that this is such a heavily performed
0: opera, James, what do you try to bring out in the music?
2: Well, I think, I think first of all, there's lots of different ways of interpreting this music, of course, uh, whether that mean tempo or dynamics, phrasing, things like that but i'm i'm sort of halfway in between period practice with an orchestra and modern day playing modern modern orchestra playing so i'm sort of in between meaning quicker bow strokes lighter more transparent texture keeping the orchestra light and and keeping chords um, light in general especially in the recitativos so for me there should be a, a lightness in general that where the singer should never have to push at all and um, I want them to be able to do what they can do on stage without ever have to worry about projecting and, 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 and oh, you know, overpowering the orchestra. But this is a true ensemble piece, as is Cosi Fantute of Mozart, another De Ponte opera, where characters need to be very aware of blending together. And I think just as aware as a string section should be. Hmm. Um, so I think we have a great cast that that sounds really great together. I mean, the famous sextet and, and, and the actu finale, there's a lot of ensemble singing that goes on. And, and if it's just a shouting fest, <laughs> it gets quite boring. And then I've seen some pretty, pretty awful uh, performances uh, of this piece, unfortunately, and I've seen some really great performances of this piece. And I think the great ones are the ones where people are aware of each other and they're making music with one another. And so it's, it's just chamber music on a much bigger scale. So I think the key to the success of this piece is great ensemble and great blending.
0: Are you aware, Patrick, that you're blending well?
1: Yes
2: <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to do so. Um, and grateful
1: for the opportunity to work in ensemble. I couldn't agree more.
0: This isn't the first time that, that you've sung this role. Um, what's your favorite part of the uh, of the piece? Act 2 Finale that James was just talking about. Yeah.
1: The Act 2 Finale is brilliant. Uh, the Cosi tutte first act finale is also one of my favorite of all time, and, and Mozart in general. I've been in love with Mozart since I was 14 years old. This piece, actually, since I was 14. <laughs> The act two finale is so brilliant and the turn of idea and turn of musical phrase and dramatic turn, all of them are so beautifully aligned. Mm-hmm. It's just the construction and then how that construction plays out in practice is just fantastic. It's, that, the act two finale, of course, is where Antonio does the most of his work for the night and being as Antonio has been something that I've done quite a bit. Uh, I've spent a lot of time in that finale, <laughs> um, and it's it never, ne- it, yeah, it's it's always fresh.
0: What about for you, James? Do you have a, a favorite? Look, well,
2: I I think the um the Act Two finale would be the first thing that jumped out because I I even remember before I knew this piece, seeing that uh, the Amadeus, Amadeus movie, right, mm-hmm. where. He says you you wouldn't believe what he does. It starts out as a duet, it becomes a trio, it becomes a quintet. Then you know at the end, Marcellina shows up with her friends, and and it's really true what this guy does is a miracle on stage, and how much you laugh during that finale. But now I'm at a point in my life where the most incredible part for me is the sextet that takes place in the third act. um, ah oh, it it's just it's that combination of the bizarre and the divine you know it's just the most the strangest plot twist that Figaro finds out who his parents are you know and at the same time you know it's just the most beautiful music it's it's heaven sent it's uh, how does this guy put the music to the most ridiculous plot at that point um and it hits me in a really emotional way for some reason bass
0: baritone Patrick Carfitzi and conductor James Gaffigan from Houston Grand Opera's 2011 production of Mozart's The Marriage of Figaro. Well, that's this week's Opera Cheat Sheet. I'm Sinjun Flynn. Thank you for listening.